You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. The 3CR Gardening Show is coming to you today from the Woiwurrung Nation. We acknowledge the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners of this land. We recognise the practices of care and cultivation of the land and waters by the First Peoples and pay our respects to their elders past and present. Wherever you are and wherever you garden, we encourage you to know whose land you're on. Welcome to the 3CR Gardening Show. I'm Emma Hurd, your host for this morning. I work in landscape architecture and I'm a horticulturalist on a wide range of projects. And I've got some wonderful guests here with me this morning. We've got Tim Ubergang. He's the team leader of Hort Central within the Royal Botanic Gardens Victoria in Melbourne and the curator of SciCats. Good morning. (laughs) Thanks for being with us, Tim. And then we've got the wonderful John Arnott. He's Manager of Horticulture at Royal Botanic Gardens in Cranbourne. Welcome. Hey, how's it going? Good, thank you. Nice to see you, Tim. Yeah, you too, John and nice, Emma. It's yeah, nice to see you, Emma. Yeah, so nice to be in. We caught up during the week. Yeah, we were very fortunate to be at a Began's um, network meeting. Yeah, it was great. In Victoria. At Ripon Lee. Yes, what a wonderful place to, to visit. What a wonderful place. And to have such a thing because we were very focused on... Uh, heritage landscapes. <laughs> Probably underrated and undervisited gardens, who isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But so lucky that we have the opportunity to go there, you know, because it's it's a privately owned uh, place yeah. um, that is open to the public. But yeah, it was really good. Fascinating. There was um, Justin Buckley, who's the um, uh, manager of Ribbonley, but he looks after, I think, all of the... Um, uh, National Trust Victoria horticultural properties. Mm. Um, so Muramong and, you know, that, there's a whole suite of them. Where mm. uh, no, that's Parks Vic. Oh, right, yep. And there's yeah. Labassa. Labassa. Oh, yes. Yeah, Labassa and Caulfield there. Yeah. Uh, and, a, and, a bu- and a bunch of others. Labassa's even less visited than Ripon Lee, but um, the landscape is not as extensive. No, it's not. Oh, years and years and years ago, we used to live, we, we, had, we were in a shared house. Um, uh, opposite Labessa Manor, mm. and in the back garden. So, so the, the the suburbs must have been built built on the housing surrounding Labessa must have been built on the, on the property of the garden, the original mm. garden. And in the back uh, of, of the garden, there was this giant. I mean, I mean, giant Dracaena Draco. Oh, 
Oh, wow. At, which was a part of the original. And it had a Cupid's head sitting in the, in the, <laughs> in the you know, where the um, um, bot, uh, dragon trees branch, mm. have that single sort of standard in that, yeah. that branch. There was this bronze Cupid's head. <laughs> and which was being engulfed by the bark of the of the, of the dragon tree. Wow. It was a river of a tree. Did you ever find out the history of that? Um, not really. Not beyond it was oh the, the, the cupid's head. No. <laughs> like, how funny! Um, it was very funny, um, and you could see you know the, the framework of, of trees. You know, a Morton Bay fig in this garden, and a uh, Araucaria over there. And I think the property was quite grand. Um, a huge stenocarpus. Uh, oh, wow, yeah, huge, like like big, big, big old um, stenocarpus. Someone back in the day um, collecting really nice plants. To back in the day, yeah. I mean, Andy Laidlaw um, sort of gave the keynote on um, at, at the Bigans meeting, and he talked about the, there was this. I mean, gardens were an expression of wealth. Yeah. Like grand, yeah. what did he call them? A gentleman's garden. A gentleman's garden. Yeah, that's what. He, yeah, Ripon Lee was a gentleman's, a gentleman's garden. garden. I mean, that's an extraordinary term, just in, a, yeah. in and of itself, isn't yeah. it? A gentleman's I garden. I won't say it's antiquated, but certainly less less used these days. In, indeed. <laughs> we're just talk, talking about encouraging women in horticulture. Yeah. Oh, oh. I'm not going to try and bring it back. <laughs> no. um, how, how interesting! Like these days, it's just not. Not a thing. It's not a thing. Yeah. It's not a thing. But, you know, all through um, suburban, inner suburban Melbourne, there were these grand properties with, you know, grand gardens and, you know, they were an expression, uh, expression of wealth. But I think the, the Sargood Garden, mm-hmm. um, Ripon Lee, I mean, he was a genuine uh, collector. Yeah. And wasn't he um, on the Board of Water? Board of Water. Yes. Justin, um, back to Justin, <laughs> Just, Justin gave a captivating talk. On drains. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we, <laughs> Who would have thought? Captivating in drains. <laughs> I know. It was, he, he said, oh, I'll talk about drains. When we were doing the planning, I was saying, oh, Justin, come on, fella. <laughs> no, but really, Ripon Lee's irrigation system and drainage system is, is next level. It's like, next level. And you can find great plans of them online. Oh, I have seen a little bit about that and heard a little bit about that before, and, and, and it's quite historic, isn't it? It's, and and mm. so it was probably a, a ahead of its time back in yes. Rip and Lee days. Y- Did y- he gone. basically co-opt stormwater in the area and <laughs> yeah. just like funnel it to his property? So, so Justin talked about he talked in geological times at ten thousand years ago, and and this was within you know um, it's a, a First Nations story yes. is that you could walk across Port Phillip Bay to, to Port Arlington. So, and the so t- I think it was called the time of chaos. The time of chaos. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, the time of chaos. Um, so, so Justin looked at the the, the property and, and water on the property mm-hmm. and, and 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 the surrounding suburb in geological time time frames. Uh, you know, ten thousand years ago, you could mm-hmm. walk across, and um, you know, eighteen thirty Melbourne, uh, Albert Park, Port Melbourne, uh, all the way through to Caulfield Park was a great big swamp mm-hmm. with standing water. Yeah. Um, so you know, water sitting on water, expressing on the surface as as, as groundwater, really. Um, and then the engineering feats to to take this groundwater and put it into Port Phillip mm. Bay via the Elwood Canal. Yeah, right. Um, so so Sargood, 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 Frederick Sargood, Sargood. Yeah. He was he just happened to be the boss of the border works <laughs> and um, had a little bit of influence. <laughs> <laughs> a few there. Yeah, yeah, and. Mm. 
Um, so yeah, you know, Justin talked about this the, the, the draining of the swamp and mapped mm-hmm. where all the underground drains are. But the beautiful thing, um, which I found really touching, is that the uh, the Nat Trust in, in, engaged. I think it was Deakin University. I'm not sure who it was, but it was a university to do an interpretation project on on, on that on that water story, and did things like putting uh, microphones into into the pits to listen to the underground streams. Mm. Oh, wow. So it just sounded, it sounded like a river. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. was you know, under your feet. And these, these auditory um, recordings, I think, are available still. Yeah. Um, there's an app. There's that, an app. Yeah. I should remember the name of the app, but I've forgotten. But um, have a look on the National Trust website. I'm sure they'll have links to their app. Yeah. And I think it's, it's sort of it's significant um, maybe to Indigenous people as well to to know that that the water is still there like it's yep. sub it's subterranean but um it still has meaning and yep. it's a it's a cultural layer that um was maybe forgotten for quite a long time 100 percent, yeah and now the water that was expressing all the way through that country is is now expressing in two two places albert park Ripponlea. Yeah. They're, the, they're the two places where the groundwater is expressing on the surface as it, as it would have. Mm. Uh, at Ripponlea, it just happens to be a beautiful ornamental lake, um, which you know, mm. drives the irrigation system. But it's groundwater. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the water of the land. My time spent at Melbourne University, um, th- there were some low or fl- flat areas as well that were, didn't drain, and they were rec- uh, records show that there were. They were quite moist and a lot of animals used to go there and there's underground streams yeah, going okay. through there as well that were, were filled in when, you know, when the university was established. 1850s? 18, yeah, 1855, 50, yep. yeah, 55 I think. And um, yeah, there's a, a little creek that's um, yeah, been filled in and they've done the same thing. It's still alive under, underground yeah. and they can still capture water from that as yeah, well. Yeah, I think... That- I'm trying to remember the landscape architects that worked on that. Anyway, it'll come to me. But, yeah, it's a wonderful project. Melbourne in the 1850s must have been mad. Well, I just watched the documentary Lost City of Melbourne last week. Right. And that is fascinating. That is fascinating. Where do you find that? That sounds good. It's on SBS. Really? I encourage anyone to have a look at it and learn about the history. It's predominantly architecture-based. Okay. But... um, History of Melbourne and the buildings that were lost, and, uh, and the, the the beauty of Melbourne. But then you know the the, the change, and then the people rallying to to save them. Um, yeah, right. And yeah, it's interesting. It, isn't it a shame that 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 I mean, because it was just wealth. Yeah, yeah. Like wealth. Mm. Melbourne was the, the 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 richest capital city in on planet Earth. Well, yeah, Ballarat yeah. was. Um, uh, slated to be the capital of Australia for a little while, <laughs> just because of the money of, that it had. Gold, gold. And, yeah. and 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 Andrea Proctor um, mm. also spoke at the at the meeting on Thursday, yeah. and you know she talked about the the explosion of um, uh, of botanic gardens in response to, yeah. to gold from yeah. eighteen yeah. Yeah. from eighteen forty six onwards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, just and and that's why Victoria has so many compared to every other state yeah. in Australia, and even even in the world. Like we have a lot of botanic we gardens. We have a lot of botanic gardens. Botanic gardens, rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and isn't that great? What a legacy! It's mm. a beautiful thing going yeah. to these little little country towns yeah. and seeing massive Jubea chalensis and mm. Morton Bay figs. What about the um, 
Dracaena Draco with the Colhack Botanic Gardens, or Port Ferry Botanic Gardens, mm. Port Ferry Botanic Gardens. It's extraordinary. But did you see the Dracaena at Ripponlea, like across yeah. the lake? Oh, yeah. I, was, I was like, wow, that is a mass. Like that's bigger than the one at the Royal Botanic yeah. Gardens. That's yeah. wild. Well, this one at Labassa, <laughs> this one at, at Manor, the, the street name was Manor Grove, mm. um, was that size. Mm. Yeah. Is it Incredible. still there? No. I knocked on the door a couple of years ago and just said, look, we used to rent this house and it was a, there was an amazing tree in the backyard. Mm. I just wanted, you know, I'm from the Botanic Gardens. I'm just wondering whether it's still there. I'm not going to have a look. And they said, what? Oh. <laughs> what? Oh, that's a shame. What? <laughs> You oh, get, you can terrible. understand. <laughs> um, but it was, it was chopped out. I kind I mean, of love it though. Oh, like, so we're such plant nerds. We're like, <laughs> we want to see the Dracaena. What? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The building's, you know, 150 years old. Yeah, yeah. It's good though. It brings you back down to <laughs> yeah, like, it does. Not everyone's like me. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. I've done that a few times, knocked on people's um, doors to say, hey, look, I'm from the Botanic Gardens. You've got this yeah. thing in the. Oh, can I have a closer look? Yeah. No shotguns to the gym. We're going to run you out of town, son. <laughs> it's always just a shame. Like, it's a shame when they're not as excited as you are. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, I have to remind myself that mm, yeah. not everyone's nuts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No accountants have knocked on my door and said, can I look at your numbers? This is so, true. Yeah, no, no, this is true. This yeah, is enthusiasm true. is different, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It's an unusual thing to do. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes. Um, but we had a good chat with Darren, one of the horticulturists there, and he was talking. I was saying it's quite precarious where this Dracaena is. It's amazing that it's like holding on to the where it's planted. But there's, I mean, probably uh, shaley kind of fill in there and yep. rocks, and I ima- we imagine the roots have infiltrated quite deeply through there. Yep. Um, what was the soil like? For the one that you had in Sandy, yeah, yeah, yep. Sandy, and that's what you want. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, Dracaena dracos are—I mean, they're a tree, mm. but not not a tree. Yeah, because they're a, like a giant um, arborescent lily. Yeah, really, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're they are a lily. They're a yeah, a What's giant. What's their flower like? Uh, it's an inflorescence. It's an inflorescence. Yeah, yeah. so it's like a panicle. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So lots and lots and lots of individual flowers yeah. on multi-branched um, uh, um, inflorescence, yes. um, and then it has these sort of orangey berries. Beautiful. And birds love them, and birds love them, and it's not weedy. Yeah, beautiful. I've never seen a seedling. Oh, really? Don't okay. think so. No, I, I haven't at, at, at when I was at Melbourne, but uh, at Melbourne University, but, but not really at Melbourne Gardens. Yeah, no. Dracaena Dracos. Yeah. There should be a register of significant Dracaena Dracos. Yeah. That well, and some Cordyline Australis, because you don't see oh, really yes. big ones that frequently. Mm. You, you t- I tend to poo-poo. Poo-poo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I tend to poo-poo. Uh, cord- <laughs> Cordyline Australis. Like, look, but mm. when, you think about, when you think about them, the big old Cordyline, they're remarkable mm. things. Yeah. No, that one's a little, can be a little, I've seen that be a bit weedy. That can be weedy. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. can be weedy. And so I do poo-poo it. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. I just think some of the really, like, it, and we're talking about specimen specific, you know, yeah, like yeah. some Absolutely. some pieces of uh, plant material are just magical. <laughs> yeah. Now, big cordyline 
Australis are, are magnificent mm. trees. And they sort of die and the centres rot yeah. out and then they sprout up. And they, mm. yeah, big, I've seen big old ones, 150 years old, and they're, they're stunning. They're impressive, yeah. 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 I tend to associate, associate them with 1970s flats. Um, true, true, and and, yeah. and the the black plastic and the white pebbles. <laughs> I think that's partly why they're becoming like everything old is new again because that era of um, architecture is definitely back in style more yeah, right. than ever before. I think not, you know, it's not beloved, but it's it's oddly becoming a thing. Like, yeah, trendy again. Yeah, right. <laughs> Wonderful to see them in their natural habitat in the North Island of New Zealand, mm-hmm. and that's something else. Yes, seeing seeing I mean think I think seeing any plant that you know is a garden plant in the wild is pretty special. Definitely, yeah. it's, it's thrilling. Yeah, it's, it is. It's thrilling. Yeah, yeah. Like you see things in a whole different light, and yeah. it just puts them in in context. Can you think of any recently? Like, have you gone on any Australian collecting expeditions where you've just seen something that? In that moment, you're like, oh, that's, that's amazing. Any plants recently? Well, I've, Tim. I've squealed like, <laughs> like a, a young child when I, uh, when I was on a collection trip looking at um, macrosamias um, mm. early in the year. Plants that I've only, um, only looked at in books countless, countless times and then to see them... Um, yeah, it's been stunning. And one in particular, Macrosamia glaucophylla, which is a blue, 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 sky blue foliage, um, grows on flat red sort of sand. And that is something to behold, like mm. to see these these plants with these curving upright um, leaflets. And whereabouts did you... That was in central New South Wales. Wow. Yeah, yeah, so... Oh. That, just brought up a picture of it it's gorgeous oh, yeah it's yeah it's a remarkable plant yeah so we collected some seed of those we we're lucky to do that and hopefully they'll be in cultivation you know, in the next couple of years awesome we were um at french island a couple of years ago looking for um a particular fungus which grows on it's called tea tree fingers um, <laughs> That's a great name. It's a Welcome. weird fungus. It's a it's a fungus which is growing as a, um, a parasite mm-hmm. on another fungus which is a saprophyte. <laughs> so so you, you've got your tea tree branch. It's starting to rot. You've got a fungus which is helping that rotting process, and then you've got this other fungus which is parasitizing that fungus. <laughs> Double parasitized. <laughs> it was extraordinary. That has to be quite rare. It is very rare. Yeah. It is very rare. And there was about fifteen of us, you know, trying to find this. Um, this see if there was a see the the, the hypothesis was there's a pot. It, it, it's the right habitat. It should be there. Mm. And um, you could just hear these. <laughs> As the people were spotting it in 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 the bush, it was it was great fun. So it proved to be fairly prolific. Like you found quite a few. Uh, you would specimens. say, yeah, you didn't know where it was. Mm. You would f- see multiple multiples mm. of it. Um, it. Are there any interesting colours about it? Like, uh, no, but it's worth Google. It's worth Google. It's called okay. it's called tea tree fingers because mm. it actually looks like. Um, yes. Like fingers, yeah, yeah. On, on a small scale, but yeah. quite a remarkable looking thing. Mm, sure but yeah, the the the, the, the wallops of pure joy when people um, people saw it. You know, they're real. Yeah, 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 yeah. People wander off on their own. People yeah. get a little bit excited in the field sometimes, don't they? And <laughs> they've got to know their surroundings. <laughs> but yeah, you do hear these great um, calls of joy. It's fantastic. I'll um, <clears throat> share something to the um, to the so- to the three CR socials. There's a, a, a little graphic about 
um, uh, um, people walking through the bush, and there was a, a, a solid line for the normal people, and then, then this really squiggly, squiggly <laughs> line that goes in and off the track, and yeah. um, for people that are um, botanists. I've, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen that one. I it's went, pretty accurate. It's great. I was fortunate my husband and I did a bit of hiking around New Zealand um, and we were on a, I think it was the Tama Lakes hike. Nice. And it was beautiful and we had gotten to bring uh, his sisters along, which was really lovely. Um, But I'm sure by the end of it, they were like, dear God, do not take another photo (laughs) of a plant. Because we didn't get too far off the track, but the problem was it kept stopping to look at every little plant there was, you know. The... um Excuse me. Mount William and the Grampians, from the bottom car park to the top's about, I don't know, say a kilometre. Most people take, I don't know, ten minutes. took us five hours (laughs) to get from the bottom to the top. Five hours. so much to see. so much to see. Yeah. Five hours. Especially when you're talking about the little plants, you know. That's that's where you get into some little special gems. Yep. And lots of... Um, you know, heads down, bums up. Mm. It's Action. A, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's very exciting, especially when you open the car door and then you're off. <laughs> you, you just take a couple of steps. And... Well, you guys are actually cataloguing them as well mm. and, and collecting material. So yep. that's a whole nother level. Yeah, it is. Mm. We've, we've just, um, we've got staff this weekend, actually, mm. uh, at uh, Erinundra Plateau chasing um, a couple of Prostanthera species, rare ones. Yes. Um, is this for a particular collection? Uh, it's for it's it's called the Na- Nature Fund, mm-hmm. um, and RBGV is focused on establishing representative ex situ populations of, uh, of of about twenty odd things, mm-hmm. so fully genetically representative hold- holdings at Melbourne Gardens and at Cranbourne Gardens. Um, so it's targeted um, conservation horticulture, really. Mm. Uh, yeah, but these prostantheras, um, they're really tricky to grow. And okay. a couple of months ago, we, we, we talked about maybe grafting might work. And Roger Elliott mm. actually sent us some information. And uh, we've subsequently worked out that you can graft these mm. um, prostantheras onto West Indian rootstocks. Mm. Oh, that's very Really successfully. Mm. Yeah. Um, so it turns what might be a fickle plant in cultivation into something which is a bit more robust, which oh, is really thank good. Thank you, Roger. Yeah, good. <laughs> mm, that was great. Yeah, it was great. And prostrantha is the, yeah, the, the mint bush, mint bush family. Yeah. So very nice scented foliage. And some of those plants are spectacular in colour. And yeah, yeah. I advise anyone to, if they want to plant, it takes a little bit of shade, some of them. I'm thinking like of Ovatifolia and, nice. and, and just covered in purpley blue flowers and... Yeah. What, what's the, the what's the 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 real showstopper? Is it, is it Magnifica Prostanthera Magnifica? Mm. Yeah, I agree. That's a gorgeous one. Gorgeous, great big flowers. Yeah. So a really interesting group. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, we were in the field this weekend uh, up in the Erinundra Plateau, and in fact, uh, I should give a plug to um, uh, this morning is the opening of the Malacuta Endemic Garden. Oh, which is which is the newest botanic garden in Victoria and by default Australia. Oh wow! So it gets open this morning. That's very exciting. It is. It's great. Yeah, oh. I mean that was in response to um, the Black Summer bushfires mm-hmm. uh, and a community project to look at um, like it's kind of almost like a healing project. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, you know the opposite of demonising the bush 
is to, you know, embrace it for its beauty and its biodiversity and yeah. its significance and, and b- b- been, beautiful project. And has that been fairly community-led? 100%. Yeah. Um, we've, RBGV has supported them with plant material and mm. you know, we've been down there a, a couple of times talking about collection planning and we got them onto the Big Ans books and mm-hmm. uh, access to a database and... So it's been supported by RBGV, but led absolutely led by the community. Mm. It's a community project. We, we learnt um, a little bit about that uh, was it earlier this year about about what that garden did for the community after the fires and, and bring brought everyone together. Amazingly, um, we're able to console in, in in the gardens and, and start a, a healing phase, mm. which you know with plants, it's beautiful. A great thing. That's something that Andrew touched on so much is the layer of um, landscapes. The, well, s- the stories also healing people. Well-being. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It. It. You know. We. It's. It's interesting. We were um, just reflecting, and I think this was state government money, but l- last year there was ninety million put into um, well-being programs. Mm. Ninety million dollars uh, put into well. Virtually none of that was green. Oh, really? No. That's so surprising. It is. I mean, that just means that there's opportunities for us to sort of, uh, us as a sector, say a botanic garden sector or, or an oh, industry, yeah. horticultural industry, to get a bit more active in that space. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it happens just organically and it happens um, naturally. People are healthier and um, you know, feeling more at, at, at ease or well, mm. people in, gravitate in, to the spaces for for that purpose. Yeah, um, intuitively almost. Yeah, yeah. I was um, at the Botanic Gardens in Iceland about <laughs> six years ago. Yeah, uh, in the middle of winter, and went to the to the Botanic Garden there, and they've got a, a little conservatory in the middle. Everything was ice. There was nothing alive, <laughs> but in the conservatory, there was a wall of my pine in there, oh, really? and a, a, a dorianthus. And I was speaking to the, to the curators there, and they said a lot of people come to that conservatory because it's the only place they can see a, a collective green of, green, of greenery, mm. and it, it lifts their spirits because some people get a little bit down when it's. I can darkness. only imagine how yeah, extraordinary to have yeah. such little light in, in twenty four hours. Like yeah, so the yeah. value of that space is is huge, and mm. they were they were really talking it up. What an amazing place to have visited. When when did you go there? Uh, that was about, yes, yeah, six years ago for mm. my wife's 50th birthday. Yeah, Very and we good. spent six weeks there. We travelled around the, the bottom half of, of, of Iceland. And, and what sort of plants were they growing in this conservatory? Um, I can't remember exactly, but I oh, do remember right. the wall of my pine and mm. there was a Dorianthus, so those Australian ones mm. stood out to me. Yeah. Um, it's up in pots? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were in pots. So it was like a, cons- uh, yeah, like a like an orangery, but yeah. for everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, it was it was beautiful. But the, the the landscapers, I think there's only two tree species in 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 Iceland, and I think they're betula and a conifer, maybe. Mm, I'm not too sure. Mm. But yeah, no, it was pretty stark. I mean, it was the middle of winter, and it was the, the wind. You have to open your car door in the right direction because if you open it the wrong way and the wind catches it, it can rip your doors off. Right. So, and you've got to use a lot of strength to open those doors oh, sometimes. That's pretty but, important to know about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With a, um, 
a six-year-old child. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, I bl- they blow away. Well, yeah, they'll blow away. Not the car, like not just the car door. The child. Right. <laughs> what's, what's your child's name? Henry. Henry, come back. Come back. Well, I regret nothing. Well, I'm glad Henry made it through. He did. Yes, That's he's good. a very healthy boy now. Well, I'll take the opportunity since we were talking about therapeutic kind of uh, landscape. Um, Therapeutic Horticulture Australia have a November meetup on the 26th in Melbourne. Um, and that's happening at the Royal Botanic Gardens from 2pm. Terrific. It's an opportunity to meet other Melbourne THA members and representatives and chat about all things therapeutic horticulture. If you've been considering joining the THA, you're most welcome to come along so you don't have to be a member and ask any lingering questions about the organisation. Therapeutic Horticulture Association. Australia. Australia. So is that the old... um, Oh, God, it's gone straight out of my head. Um, Is it a rebrand Horticultural Therapy Association? Maybe. I don't know, actually. Um, I think it's a separate organisation. Okay. Um, But it says their mission is to foster and support evidence-based, ethical and person-centred therapeutic horticulture in Australia. Terrific. And develop a robust professional and ethical industry that that is widely recognised. So I think they're, you know, they're young. I think they're a young organisation. Okay. Um, But it seems like they're trying to establish more rigour. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. For for such... um, Measurable stuff. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Wells, you, who's a presenter here, you, you'd imagine he'd be all he is, over that. He is a member. Yep. And he has um, he had an event there um, hosted with them, I think, just last month at the Royal Talbot. So, yeah, he um, he's involved. And so is my colleague, Sandra, Sandra Swartz, who's okay. um, a landscape architect. Okay. Yeah. Well, what an what a interesting line of horticulture. Super diverse. Isn't I was it? just going to say another in- industry arm yeah. to the to the group. Yeah, it's fantastic, it, isn't it? Yeah, it is wonderful. One of the one of the things that came up um, uh, at the Rip and Lee meeting was was David David Harlan's the new chief executive officer of the Royal Botanic Gardens Victoria, and Cassandra Nichols is the new chief executive exec- executive officer of the Botanic Gardens sector group, and they both spoke about how horticulture can make a difference. Mm. Um, You know, the wicked environmental dilemmas which are presenting us and how horticulture can make a positive contribution to a a, a better planet. Mm. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And that we all have, I mean, it's true for everything, but we all have a sphere of influence. Yeah. And that, um, you know, the more we communicate, the, the more we can get on the same page about goals yep. for things like climate action. Yeah. And, yeah. and to talk globally, uh, horticulture is just one piece of sinew in the, in the mm. big body, isn't it? Because it's all connected. It's all and, connected. And, we, and we talk about plants, but we, we need birds and insects. Yep. To, mm. you know, some of these things rely on just on certain species of plants. Yep. And um, it's a really important thing that... Um, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? It's like the the, the 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 it's happening less, but the plant people are going without plants. There's no plant. The mycologists are going without fungi. There's no plants. Yeah. yeah. The, the entomologists are going without insects. There's no pollination. There's no planet. 
it's just one big system. Yeah. Absolutely. Isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. the ecologists are saying, it's all happening together, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, We've got to work right. together. <laughs> and it's not, true. None of this environmental siloing. No, yeah. 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 Yes. yeah. yeah. And that's, that's part of the joy of a networking meeting that we're so privileged to go to, where we can take the opportunity to learn about what each other is doing. Yeah. And that... You know, that happens in the home garden too. If you mm. get out into your community and go, maybe you have a community garden, maybe you have a library, maybe you've got your local council putting on like a reveg day. Yep. All those things are great opportunities uh, to learn or to share your knowledge if you have some. And produce. And produce. Yes. Loving the emergence of the Gardens for Wildlife movement. I mm. mean, that's, a, that's really starting to ramp up um, in terms of people um, practicing wildlife gardening in, in, at, at home. Mm. What a good thing. Yeah. yeah. So good. Yeah. I'll take this moment to open up our phone lines. So um, we'd love you to call in and chat with us. Our number here is 94190155 and our text line is 0488809855. You're listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Emma Hurd, and here with me in the studio, we have Tim Ubergang and John Arnott. Oh, to go back into to, to plants and, and how they sort of in, interact through the community, I was listening to um, the Triple R's uh, gig guide for, for last night, yeah. and they were talking about all the bands that were playing. There was one band called Psychad. Playing in Brunswick. Oh, really? There's another one called Zalkova. <laughs> and I thought, this is fantastic. It's, it's sort of really filtering in, into another layer. Into as pop well. culture. I love it. <laughs> Isn't that good? Yeah. I love Zelkova as a band name. That's great. Zelkova. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. kind of cool. It's fantastic. Yeah, I wonder what. Death metal rock? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's got that edge to it. It sounds like yeah. another planet, really, but. Yeah, it's, just, like it's a beautiful tree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. It, it, it probably isn't. Um, Associated with anything too aggressive, <laughs> but, yeah. but we haven't even it, heard their music. No, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, no, I wonder what genre Zalkova are. Yeah, mm. yeah. I'll, I'll do some more investigating on Zalkova and Psychad. And, I could, and, I could see you going to a few Psychad gigs. <laughs> yeah. well, I'll get the T-shirt. Yeah. Let's engage our listeners as well. Go on, listeners. Absolutely. Go listen to these bands. Yeah, Love yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I'll, um, I'll mention as well that Open Gardens Victoria has some gardens coming up. And as always, um, they have given us a little uh, uh, free pass. Nice. So it's a double pass. Um, and these gardens are coming up on the 25th and 26th of November. So we've got Sam Cox uh, Wattle Glen Garden. And that's at 12 Lorimer Road in Wattle Glen. Uh, from 10 a.m. till 4.30 p.m. And then on that same weekend, we've got Creeting Lodge, which is uh, 5.33 Esplanade, Mount Martha in Vic, and that's same timings. So they are both beautiful gardens. And if you call in now and talk to our producers, you might have the opportunity to win a double pass. Great. Have you guys, either of you, been to those, those two gardens? No. No, 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 no I haven't. But now's the good time, isn't it? I uh, mean, the gardens at the moment are brimming with colour and yeah. vigour and new growth and everything's looking so good out there. So mm. if you're going to go. It's now's the time. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Sam Cox's is an Australian natural style landscape design. Nice. So I think that will be really appealing to a lot of people. Apparently there's a really nice eucalyptus cider rocks on it. 
Good. It's a nice, nice tree to see. Which is the iron bark. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So it's good to see Open Gardens Victoria opening like a wide variety of, of private spaces. Yeah. Yep. Have you guys got any events coming up that you'd like to mention? Hmm. Not, not off the top of my head. No, no, likewise. <laughs> it's a busy time of year, but we've kind of galloped towards the end pretty quickly. And, um, yeah, other than open gardens, I mean, Royal Botanic Gardens always has an amazing array of events taking place at both Cranbourne and in Melbourne. So, you know, there's forest therapy at both gardens. There's garden highlight walks. There's free talks. There's... Thanks for bailing us out. <laughs> That's all right. There's um, birds in the Australian garden. Yeah, there's, you know, I highly encourage everyone to check out the rbg.vic.gov.au website. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, it's cool. a good time yeah. of year in the garden. Yeah, it is. Uh, and, you know, it's stunning time for, for um, I mean, the gardens are presenting as almost as good as they they. they like they can yeah. at, at this time of year. I mean, the Australian Garden, um, a, a lot of the sort of late wintery, early spring, you know, a few things have tapered, but mm. there's always some things coming on. I've, I've brought along yeah, a, a, a sort of a, uh, a, is it a posy? Yes, a, let's a talk bouquet. about a bouquet. It's, it's beautiful of um, of plants from from one garden. This is all all taken from one garden. The first garden, as you walk into the Red Sand Garden, is mm. called the Ephemeral Garden. Mm. Um, and all of these plants were um, were picked from the ephemeral garden on Friday afternoon. It is just a riot of colour. Can you tell me about this and uh, kangaroo for anigosanthus? Uh, yes, yeah, so so we've got anigosanthus. Uh, this particular one is called landscape violet, mm, which it's is so which is pretty. which is one of um, uh, wow. it's, it's yeah, it's an extraordinary colour. Um, so it's a, it's it's one of the the tall bush uh, varieties, one of the Angus Stewart's um, uh, uh, releases, cultivars, yeah. yeah. And it's got um, a like a purple stem as well, which is so lovely. It's gorgeous, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's absolutely gorgeous. And almost like <coughs> a like it's it's purple at the beginning of the floral Bracked. inflorescence, <coughs> yeah, yeah, and then uh, sort of goes to this aquamarine blue colour, and even a little bit green, minty green, yeah, yeah. minty green, yeah, it, it, remarkable looking thing. That is remarkable. It looks spray painted. It, it does. Um, it it does. That is, yeah, that's really beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. I'll attempt to take some photographs and see if I can get them up on the socials. Yeah, um, but but you know all of these things. I mean, they're Australian native plants, but any of these would sit sit comfortably in a, a, a perennial border. Mm. Um, I mean, they are all herbaceous perennials. So we've got a couple of Veronicas in here. Um, you know, that, that ver- I mean, it looks like a Hebe, this one. Yes. This is Veronica duentiana. Um, Don't you think they look like they could grow in a swamp as well? Yeah. Like they're just... Yeah, yeah. And they, they do deal with seasonal inundation. Yes, yeah, they do. And and uh, this other Veronica, I mean, it's just, that's just hot. It's like extraordinary colour. Yeah. Um, it's like a violet or... Um, it's almost blue. It's almost blue, yeah. Uh, and you know some uh, some of the um, everlasting daisies and a whole bunch of things. Yes, um, it's a great mix. It is a great mix. And and, and back to um, uh, the the big ends meeting during the week. Andrea Proctor um, myth busted a whole bunch of mm. um, uh, just assumptions that people make about heritage landscapes is that you don't have Australian native plants sitting in heritage landscapes. Because they, they, you know, they're an anomaly, or they would be visually 
They you know, are our heritage. <laughs> that, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. in many respects. But so. you know, that you, you you look at that and you go, okay, well, that's just gorgeous. Mm. That's their glamorous, beautiful, flowering herbaceous perennials. Yeah. That yeah. happen to be Australian. And yeah. yeah, within the context of of all sorts of heritage landscapes, they they dovetail and they they sing. They're just yeah, yeah, they're worthwhile <laughs> having. And that the misconception that heritage has to be old as well. Yes. That's not true. Um, okay. Andrea mentioned the Birarong Ma. What's that, 15 years old? Yeah. He's heritage listed. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's about cultural and social value. Um, yeah. yeah, it's about anything that has uh, deep meaning to society, basically. Yeah. 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 And, and, yeah, at... APL, which is Andrea Proctor Landscapes, we work on um, lots of conservation management plans, um, CMPs. So um, they um, sort of establish relevance for these heritage landscapes and really tell the story of not only their history, but the sites within them that have specific value, not just because they're old, but as we're talking about, because uh, the community cares for them Hmm. and values them. Yeah, unique, rare yeah. things that stand out and they're different and, and have, need protection. And, and have, yeah, need protection. Yeah. Uniqueness is key. That's yeah. a really important word. Yeah. It has to be, it can't, it, it's very site specific. It can't just be, oh, we like this, so we want to keep it. Yeah. It, it also has to be unique and, and specific to that yeah. landscape. Uh, and of course, um, heritage is, we were talking in, in a garden sense of, um, uh, colonial, pre-colonial, post-colonial um, heritage. But the lovely thing about the meeting um, on Thursday at Ripponley is that Indigenous heritage was woven all the way through the program. Yeah. Uh, and there was a, a welcome to country and smoking ceremony undertaken by Willie Pepper from the Bunwarang um, Land and Sea Council. And it was remarkable. It was one of the most moving engaging, inspirational um, smoking ceremonies I've ever witnessed. Took 40 minutes. Mm. Yeah, wow. Like it was really deep, really deep. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, I, I helped pull together the program and, and didn't really realise. We, we asked you know, Willie to come along and make it all welcome. Um, his generosity of, of, of time and spirit was... Unanticipated, mm. yeah, um, and happened organically, but it was just beautiful, mm. remarkable. Yeah. It's a nice um, addition to to the program when you can do that now. It's great. Yeah. It's, it's important. Great. Mm. So, what's happening at the moment in your area of the Royal Botanic Gardens, Tim? Any- oh, it's it's it really is the silly season because <laughs> you know we the gardens open up. To, to events, so we, we you know moonlight um, is starting to, to bump in now. We have Shakespeare around the corner. Um, people are getting decide to get married this time of year, yeah. and they use the, the gardens, which is fantastic. But then we we, we also have a, a few projects on on the go as well, which is uh, fantastic. And I'm lucky to be involved in one called Citygate. Um, me too. <laughs> yeah, City Gates at, at, um, up the top north, uh, 
northwest corner of the of the gardens that mm. um, almost overlooks the um, Yarra River. Near the Temple of the Winds. Temple of the Winds. Oh, so, gotcha. Yeah, so Temple of the Winds was um, renovated um, 12 months ago and now City Gate is being renovated. Uh, it's actually being moved. The old G Gate, which was down the lower section, is being brought up to beside the temple. Um, it's now called, it's going to be called City Gate and there's going to be two big, bold, decorative gates put on there as, as entry points, which... Um, Andrew Laidlaw's design, and there's going to be a whole suite of, of um, display plants for that that space as well that'll kind of tie into the theme, um, which is up at that area, which is the Grey Garden leads up to the Temple of the Wind. So it's all going to sort of have those mm. those themes. I um, definitely recommend if people are interested in what these gates are turning into, because I w- I helped work on the documentation of the design. Um, Justin Purser on Instagram is, is constructing these gates and he's, he's documenting it as he goes and they're just, they're looking more beautiful by the day, which, you know, obviously the plants are what sing, but the built forms within the gardens are like the detail and effort that's going into them. They're going to become, you know, heritage pieces of the landscape for a long time to come. It's, it's amazing. Um, the contribution that Andy Laidlaw has made to, mm. to the Melbourne Garden specifically, but more broadly, yeah. um, pu- pu- the public gardening in the public realm is really significant. Yeah. We talk about Guilfoyle, the, the legacy of Guilfoyle Gardens. Mm. Um, I think we're already starting to talk about the legacy of Laidlaw. Laidlawian. Yeah. Laidlawian Gardens. <laughs> and, making, and these entrances into the gardens are really... Like it's it's so special that they're being redone. Like Tacoma Gate's just been redone, yep. and and now City Gate, and um, yeah, the the makers that are involved as well are really beautiful. So Yvonne George is another sculptor that's involved in the gate being made. Nice. And, um, she's making these beautiful little wrens and birds that are, part, are like extra elements within the gate. So <laughs> nice. It's it's just so lovely to see it all coming together, and I'm keen to hear more about the plants that you're. Yeah, well, it's a it's a it's a statement garden. Um, we we've had to move a few plants into the into the space. Um, Adrasina Draco oh, nice. um, was relocated down a bit lower um, up into the space. Nice, um, but but we are sort of playing with those grey and and silver themes. There'll be um, we're going to try be bold and try some a pandanus, a okay. pandanus utilis. Yeah, okay. Um, which is utilis means useful. Um, I've actually got, had one growing in my front yard in a pot for about 15 years. What's the useful bit of the pandemic? It's the foliage for weaving and stuff? Yeah, or, yeah, 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 yeah. It's all that kind of thing. Gotcha. I, I don't think, that, not sure how edible they are, but right. I think it was useful for, yeah, for, for making things, for, for construction, for carrying and, yeah. and, and nets and all that sort yeah. of stuff. Weaving. Yeah. yeah. Um, I bought in a plant today which is um on the list to put up there and this is um an australian one calathamnus hirsutus beautiful which is it's like a feathery when you see this is from my front garden and it's um it's a small soft growing plant it's um it's feathery and it's tactile and it's like smoke. Oh, yeah. It's um, soft. And, and, and hirsutus uh, literally means fine hairs, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It I, sort of reminds me of adenanthus, but more distinctive. 
like it's um yeah it's arrangement of little leaflets are more um i guess special yeah, yeah. <laughs> special. Yeah. it is a very special plant yeah, yeah. whereas adenanthus <clears throat> the, the um little leaflets sort of all smoosh together more these yes. are more yeah out a little, little bit more one side of the yeah. flower yeah uh like adenanthus it has um Nice red flowers that, that come off the stems, but it's um it's just yeah that'll be one of the species that'll that'll have a, a look in there as well. And how how big does that get? Um, I think you can you can keep them pruned, but um, sort of around about a meter. Okay. Yeah, yeah, small yeah. shrub, small shrub. Yeah. Beautiful. And I'm imagining Tim that it, it it's going to be a a, a bit of a, a mosh up. Uh, <laughs> I'm not trying to say mixing exotic plants, Australian native plants. Yeah, it is. It's going to be a real mix. It's, up. it's about form, colour, texture, absolutely attributes, all those things. There's yep. there's a, a an element of terracing. There's already rocks that have gone into the space, um, so there will be some nice layered um, terracing, and it reflects. If anyone has been up to the Temple of the Winds and, and the Grey Garden, there are a lot of layers there, mm. and a lot of terraces. Um, um, uh, the work that goes into that, because it's a steep landscape heading down towards the um, the tan <laughs> yep. on that side. And, um, yeah, the work that you and – it's Amy. Yeah, Amy Downey is my um, my colleague and, and team member. Um, and the two of us have been embarking on abseiling. So <laughs> yeah. we've just started – in fact – the next two days, Monday and Tuesday, we're doing another a course. For what a horticultural <laughs> skill! I mean, extreme horticulture. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, and then, actually, <laughs> next weekend, the two of us are going abseiling in Mount Macedon together as well. So that's going to be a, a lot next of fun. Thing you're going to put like a green wall on Government House, or like I'll on, bring it on, like a green roof, and you guys will be <laughs> bring it on. <clears throat> I, I think but it's, but it's really interesting because Amy's doing a lot of research about escarpment horticulture mm-hmm. and the different plants that um, that grow on escarpments in in nature. In a lot of instances, it's those places that are the last resource for for species in in, in habitat. Yeah, because sure. Often fire doesn't doesn't go yep. there. Um, yep. And they just sort of uh, Hawaii are doing a, a, a discovering a lot of species on on, on cliffs. Um, because no one's been going there. Feral animals can't get to them. Sure. And I think it was in um, the Snowy River yeah, chef, yeah. two or three years ago, Westringia. Westringia was creme the filler. On an escarpment. And so that, Amy's going to plant that one on, on oh, the that's escarpment cool. as well. What a, what a great story. Yeah. It, it literally, it's called the Cliff Westringia, um, and it literally occurs on half a dozen north-facing cliffs at yeah. a place called Tullock Ard Gorge in the Snowy. Um, to get to it, our staff had to um, uh, jump in um, uh, rafts, so it rafted down the snowy to the to the base of, to the base of these cliffs, and then you know, scaling the cliffs to find the, the cliff westringia. I love these stories. <laughs> I, I think these stories are so important. They're fantastic. Like, yeah, I, yeah, it's wonderful. And you know, think if, if, if the the thought was the fire the Black summer fires went through that country, and the thought was maybe this population might have been um, lost. completely lost. Yeah. Uh, there was regeneration which was happening, which was really good. Yeah. But since then, we've you know, collected that material. Um, it's going to end up uh, at the RPG near um, 
what's the gate? City gate. Yeah, city gate and Temple of the Winds. Yeah, yeah. and it, it'll it'll it's at it's in Cranbourne Garden Holdings. It has a bit of ornamental appeal. It might even be something that makes it into home gardens yeah. at some point in the future. Okay, that'd be good, wouldn't it? We, we on, on as continue on that escarpment theme along that space. There was th- three massive petosperum that sort of had self seeded and let go in that space. And so as part of CityGate, we're going to start to expand a little bit. And so we've removed these three potosporum right on the tan track, which is a challenge in itself sure. for, the, for the ARB team. Yeah, Charlie <laughs> would have, and yeah, his so, team would yeah, have been I, um, working hard on I applaud, applaud their skills, which is a whole another level of, well, of, horticulture. of horticulture. Especially not destabilising that escarpment and making sure that uh, transitioning to new plants yeah. is, is it's, done very carefully. Yeah, that's right. It's all part of, of what we've got to do to understand the site. Um, and, and Amy was up there with, with one of the arborists, Pete, on Friday, and they took a video of um, blue-banded bees tunnelling <laughs> into that escarpment. So oh, really? Not it's only... opened up the niche. Please yeah. give that to the RBGV social team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they, they, sounds... they were... It was a buzz. They, yeah, were, they yeah. were loving that one. But, but Pete's here videoing this little bee tunnelling out and you see this blue bum coming out. It's, it was really cool. That's yeah. good. Oh, I love it. It's good. Yeah, so that, that escarpment um, tied in with Citygate. Um, yeah, we're, we're doing, a, doing a lot of work there mm. with, um, with, with the, the landscape architect team um, and the contractors and we're, we're really trying to build that to to make that a really special and Phil, enhancing space. Phil, the project space. manager. Don't forget Phil. <laughs> Poor Phil, yes. No, he works very hard. He works so hard. I, I, I love it. And it's come, it's come out of the Melbourne Gardens master plan that, that we've gone from A-gate, B-gate, C-gate, mm. D-gate, <laughs> you know, just ABCD yeah. to H or whatever it was. And now we're given these gates a name mm. and a, a identity and making gateways out of them, making yeah. them compelling points of entry into the garden. Yeah, and, and I'll admit... Uh, change is uh, challenging for people, yeah. especially change that involves orientation. <laughs> you know, uh, oh, yeah. it, it can be a bit confusing. So yeah, I understand yeah. there are teething issues with like, oh, which gate, what gate? Mm. <laughs> you know? Is that the oldest but, gate? What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's but, funny. I mean, I, I'm glad they didn't call this one Tacoma Gate because mm. the amount of Tacoma Capensis is weedy <laughs> in that space. Oh, really? It's one of our biggest headaches and, and challenges. So there you I'm go. glad Tacoma Gate's on it's the other up. side and we're not heralding that one. Oh, I appreciate <laughs> that info. That's really helpful. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just think it's it's part of making the place have meaning. Yeah, you know, to, to people. So yeah, it is. It's exciting. Mm. Yeah, so it's a watch this space. That mm. um, I think it's it's going to be um, formally opened at the end of the year, maybe mid mid December. Mm. So at the moment, you can't sort of access um, that slope that goes down to the the tan from from that city corner yeah um vivid are doing a good job <laughs> yeah so they're redoing the whole roadway and, and it's it's going to be fantastic and over time we will sort of work a lot more on that on that mm. sort of that whole avenue going up the hill as well and it so. also yeah it improves accessibility to the garden it, yep. it makes it you know just a just a space for everyone beautiful yeah, yeah. Mm. What's going on at Cranbourne? We're about to plant our dry river bed. Oh, that's um, so exciting. It is exciting, yeah. Because so that whole area was um, had problems with fungal... It had issues. problems with a, 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 a disease called armillaria. Mm-hmm. We had all these calafemnus, in, including mm. um, hirsutus. Um, so it was woody 
shrub mass mm. def- defining the shapes of the, the, the beds in the dry river bed. Um, armillary came through and just wiped all that woody material out. So we had to come up with – we had two options. Dig, dig all the infect, infested um, soil with roots out, mm. but that was on a scale which was you know, bordering on impossible. Yeah. Not impossible, but just huge logis- logistic exercise. So we came up with – a plant-based solution. So, you know, the, 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 the disease triangle, mm-hmm. you've got the disease, the presence of the, the, the pathogen, you've got your host, and then you've got the environmental conditions. In this instance here, what we're, what we're doing is we're knocking out one corner of the, the mm-hmm. triangle um, because armillaria doesn't host on herbaceous material. Only hosts on woody material. Yeah, it's the monocots and things it's like monocots, that. Monocots, yeah. yeah. So lots of grasses, lots of monocots, lots of these beautiful, glamorous uh, kangaroo paws and uh, flowering herbaceous perennials. It, it's going to look stunning. And for the first time at Cranbourne, we've had Andy Laidlaw um, working with us on, 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 on the planting. So Andy's been uh, uh, developing a planting plan um, over the last couple of months and We've been sourcing material uh, furiously in response to the planting plan. So we've got about 3,500 plants that we have to plant in the next three or four weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we're going to be busy. Yeah. Um, but it'll transform the, the, the dry riverbed. Yeah. Um, and as you walk into the Cranbourne Gardens, you've got the red sand. The dry riverbed is the, the first landscape to the left-hand side. Mm. And telling the story of water that... Um, but yeah, it'll be a, a thing of, of great beauty. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, when I was back to Melbourne Uni days, um, we dealt with amelaria in, in a similar way. We had um, betula that was in a in a garden bed that were affected by amelaria, and we just cleaned the whole lot out yep. and put in um, miscanthus and, and all those monocots, and so it ends up like. You're saying starves out that that, yep. that fungus. Um, a plant-based solution. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, yep, worked really well. Yeah, yeah. canners and things like that. Yeah, perfect, and awesome. I believe they're still doing research to see if there are any um, other funguses that will parasitize the amelaria. Yep, and um, become like a natural predator. <laughs> so amelaria in nature. Um, so at the Cranbourne Gardens, mm. it's in the bushland. Armillaria is in the bushland, but it, it's not antagonistic. It doesn't kill trees. Mm. Uh, Armillaria in horticulture and cropping um, uh, forestry mm. kills trees. So are they trying to find the magic and the mag- component? And, and the magic the is um, uh, other fungal organisms that, that mm. check, that hold it in check. Mm. So diversity in so- yeah. diversity. soil diversity. Biota. Yep. So horticultural soils typically much lower in biota. Not that, so all of the all of the yeah they're constructed soils rather than natural soils. So um, we've, and it's we, very challenging within a landscape such as yours, especially in conservation areas, to introduce new soil. Yeah, yeah. So yep. that's but we've 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 got this project which we've scoped, um, and that's to bring sniffer dogs in um, to find. The presence of armillaria in the bush, and then we'll just sample. If we if we know armillaria is present in, in a particular patch of soil, we'll sample the entire biota, mm. uh, work out what species are there and what species actually might be doing the the checking of the armillaria, culture them, um, 
uh, and then you know maybe we're working with Neutrog, Neutrog fertilizers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they've it's really exciting. They've they've got they've they've cultured our uh, armillaria in a, in a petri dish, mm. uh, and they've been putting these bacteria, um, different bac- bacteria in, into the petri dish, and you can see the armillaria growing in the petri dish until it hits the pre- the, the bacteria and it actually stops it. Yeah, fantastic. That's so, so we, we, we're working out how to do it in a petri dish. Now, there's a few steps between petri dish and, uh, and soil inoculant, oh, yeah. um, but that's the big picture. And, and look, we're, we're doing that um, uh, with the National Botanic Gardens and with Kings Park. Um, so it's a multi-site mm. um, trying to find... But that's even better because yeah, you're it just is. sharing yep. you know, as much knowledge as you can. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, we're in search of inoculants. And, oh. and I just think that will eventually trickle down to home gardeners as well. It will become, 100%. And, and that's why, you know, it's so interesting seeing a bit of, um, I guess, commercial enterprise entering into these these gardens. In partnership. Yeah, in partnership yep. to, to make it so that the impacts that the Royal Botanic Gardens are having are for the wider community. 100%. Yeah. I'm a big fan of compost teas, and we've started doing some compost tea work at, at Melbourne Gardens as yeah, well. Cool, and that's a, a, a combination of um, composts and um, and uh, commercial inoculants yep. um, and molasses, and brewing these things cool. over a long period of time yeah. to breed them up. The molasses sort of feeds the the bacteria, and then we spread it around, and it's to encourage soil Life. diversity. And it just comes back in in the plant. Yeah, you and Ben should get together. Yes, Ben Brooker. Yeah, Ben Brooker from. um uh, you uh, uh, antique perennials? No, 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 no. no. Um, Treasured perennials. Treasured perennials. Yeah, I think get you to. Tim and Ben together. Yeah, that's I, would, that's, I would love to do I that. I think that's yeah. critical mass, yeah, wouldn't it be? That'd, that'd be, be super. super. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be so good. We'll and make psychads, it happen. Psychads respond really well to, to, to compost teams, yeah. which is good. I was just thinking about um, when you're speaking about Armillaria before, when I was at a, a psychad conference in, in Thailand a few years ago, we went to a market with a, a, with a, a friend of mine from, from South Africa and California they were selling amelaria as a food oh, as a f- <laughs> at, the, at the market. <laughs> oh, that'd make me twitchy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was fascinating, but you know, different places as a food. So the the, the fruiting bodies, the honey fungus. Yes, yeah, that's wow. right. It was packaged up to to sell to take home. And there you go. I and don't know which species. No, I, no, no, I didn't know. Fair enough. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. I probably wouldn't have either. No. So I'm peppering through community <coughs> announcements because I find that we have them all in one block at the start of the show and they can get a little bit like, oh, you're listening to my voice too much. So <laughs> I thought I'll bring up um, Holmes Glen have got their horticultural open day coming up. And so for anyone out there that's inspired by plants and wants to get into horticulture, um, on the 23rd of November at their um, Glen Waverley campus, which is 595 Waverley Road, Glen Waverley, Australia, from 4.30 till 5.30. So it's just an hour, um, and you can check out their courses. They're also having their Conservation and Ecosystem Management Open Day. Nice one. Um, Floristry Open Day, Landscape Construction and Parks and Gardens Open Day, Landscape Design. So it's all happening that same day. But um, I think that's a good opportunity. And I know there are plenty of other institutions you can study at, but this one just happened to be coming up soon. 
Um, Gardening Australia on Friday night. Oh, tell us. Featured three CRs. Chloe. Chloe. Yes. Uh, it was Melbourne Polytechnic yes. um, and Cultivating Minds. Yep. Same, same, same thing, different, yep. different um, RTO, different organisation. I thought it was a really terrific story. Oh, tell us, you watched it. I did watch it. Tell us what was spoken about. Well, it was just lo- looking at the role of, of, of TAFE mm-hmm. um, uh, in um, uh, the whole teaching horticulture yeah. basically i mean that 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 was the theme of the story yeah. um but it was a you know a reasonably deep dive and um yeah yeah <laughs> chloe uh shone through uh as as you know a really passionate and committed what it, what it, what it brought out was the the, the passion and, and the commitment of people who are solely focused on um Supporting, inspiring the next generation of horticulturists. It, it, it gave me a sense of hope. Yeah. <laughs> that, and, that show. And Chloe's work actually was um, brought up at the Big Ends Day as well, within Andrea's um, piece about native plants within heritage landscapes, mm, yeah. and spoke about Melbourne Polytechnic, which is a heritage, heritage landscape. Yeah. And Chloe and her students put together a beautiful native meadows project. Yeah. And yeah, I encourage everyone to go have a look at that. Because it's just gorgeous. Really interesting grounds. It was the old Austin Hospital. Yeah. Okay. Was it the Austin? Or was it the? I think it was Austin. It was the. Was it a re-pack infectious hospital? diseases hospital? Yeah. Um, I've, I've got another story relating back to to, to Chloe and yeah. oh, Polytechnic. Yeah. Is Chloe, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my my colleague Amy, who I was speaking about, yes. uh, was one of Chloe's students. Right. Um, and to anyone that's thinking about studying horticulture out there, Amy, you know, started as an apprentice at the gardens, but she's gone from um, from that to now she's abseiling <laughs> at the botanic gardens and and really well finding going a niche yeah. for sure. And um, that I mean, you can you can find your niche and then expand out again, and and that's the thing about a horticultural career; it can take you so many places. Yeah. Yeah, we've touched on uh, yeah many of them just this morning. Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah, a, a, another student of, of Chloe's. Yeah, so if people missed the Gardening Australia, you can look on, look on iView mm. and uh, have a have a look at the uh, the story. It was really good. Most definitely, it was really good. And uh, think about going to study hort at Melbourne Poly, <laughs> or and or and, and Homesland, and yeah. Chisholm, yeah, just, and yeah. Swinburne. Absolutely, there's <laughs> so many options. Yep. yep. Gordon, down to, if you're down at Geelong. Yeah. 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 Good opportunities. And yeah, uh, I don't mean to say that also you need to be a horticulturalist to enjoy being in your garden. You know, we are a gardening show, so we're for everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. The home garden's important. That's where, <laughs> I've got to say, that's where it started for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just my love of plants and tinkering with, with veggies and, and the food plants. Mm. Okay. So you were tinkering with veggies as a, like a young boy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how young? Like five? Oh, yeah, probably about that. I remember my mum my gave me a handful of seeds and I remember throwing the seeds around. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and then just sort of being in, engaged with that amount of information that comes out of a seed and become, becomes a flowering plant. Um, I think I was captivated. I, I was a flick. Was switched for me, if that's a term, um, by digging up potatoes, and I, I can I can visualise the the fork, the sandy soil, digging into the and this bounty of of potatoes oh, yeah. coming out of the earth, 
and I was probably the same age, five or six, mm. and it was just this like light bulb moment. Yeah. I thought, this is f- phenomenal. It's magic. <laughs> it is magic. Yeah. And and similarly, um, you know, growing peas and eating peas straight off the mm. straight off the vine, yeah, and just the sweetness and the, I mean, I can taste the peas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Formative stuff. Yeah. How and did you, how did you what, get into horticulture? Um, probably my grandfather. He had a beautiful vegetable garden, um, and my dad and my mum. All of them loved plants and loved gardening. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's part of. Every horticulturalist story is someone they love mm-hmm. um, has has made it a point or made it possible for them to connect with nature, mm. and and that's the story as well is about people and the people that you love. Yep, just being like, yes, plants are great. <laughs> I can see it. I can see it in our um, our grandkids. Yeah, uh, I mean, we've got a tiny little garden, but it's you know, it's quite productive. Um. And uh, I was I was really proud. There was there was we had this book of Australian wildflowers, and it was you know open up to a page and say, "Hey, Alice, what's that?" She said, "That's a banksia." Good girl. <laughs> <laughs> what's this one here? That's yeah. a and and her plant ID. This is a five year old. Yeah. Her her plant ID skills are actually pretty pretty good. <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah, yeah. Very impressive. We, we were at we were at Gary. Uh, <laughs> Fraser Island uh, about six weeks ago, um, and I, I really wanted to see Angiopteris evector, the king oh. fern, um, in, in, in nature. Oh, it was extraordinary. Anyway, we, we, we saw it, and there's this boardwalk um, where the Angiopteris is. We jumped the boardwalk and got into the creek and got up and close personal, but there, there, there was a tour, tour group come through. Um, and the, the tour guide was talking about the king fern and this king fern, and we're saying some good stuff about the king fern. <laughs> little uh, little Elsie said, "Excuse me," at the top of it. There's about 20, 20 people in the group. Excuse me, the real name is Angiopterus. <laughs> this is five year old. Oh, <laughs> the real bad. name is Angiopterus, and um, that was quite a moment. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. So she re- she's retaining stuff. Yeah. Because it's important to her. Because yeah. it's important to her papa. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it is, it's about people you love. Yeah. That's the thing. That's so, you know, people and plants. And they're so impressive. Those ferns are oh, impressive. I- and to your granddaughter, <laughs> she would have been, that would have dwarfed her. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a moment. And we, yeah, it was a quest, like the whole, mm. on the plane, on the way up. We were saying, oh, we're going to see Angiopteris. We're going to see Angiopteris. Uh-huh. As yeah. it, it was day five or six into the into the trip. So, you so know, this kept... plant is like a superhero to this five year old. She's like, it's going to be wearing a cape. <laughs> Angiopteris evecta. Evecta, the, yeah. the king fern. We we planted some in Fern Gully yeah. uh, about eighteen months ago. Yeah. So, um, and it, how are they going? They're going really well. I think we've planted maybe five or six, sort of right along the creek along line, the creek. is what you would. Yep, seen there um, yep. moisture, yep. and they're starting to grow really well. And yeah. are they taken from the wild, or are they like a cultivated? These were ones that I think they came they from Cranbourne. Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, so you propagate them. They've they've got these at the base of the fronds. They've got these interesting sort of nodes, sort of lobed nodes. You, yeah, you, you propagate them by 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 that. So it's. Asexual propagation. It's a leaf cutting. Well, it's a leaf. It's a giant leaf cutting. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. giant leaf cutting. Uh, and they'd been in the collection at Cranbourne for. So these plants have got. A, they're probably twenty years old. 
Yeah, right. Yeah. They're probably and they were sitting in pots for quite a while. And, yeah. And, um, yeah. And, and yeah, now, now they have their home. Yeah, they're booming. It was really lovely because they were struggling in pots. Mm. They, they were quite yellow and, yeah, yeah. and you know, really not very, very happy at all. Mm. And it's like just lovely to see them in. You've got the perfect microclimate for them. Oh, Fern Gully is, is an extraordinary extraordinary place to um to play with with mm. that kind of thing yeah um the different species that you can grow in there um Amazing. is extraordinary orchids and different conifers and and the microclimate yeah for, for different sensitive plants you can grow from yeah almost all anywhere in the globe we've put some um ceratosamias from from mexico in there and there's um chilean um Avocado species. Oh, really? Gone in there. Right, cool. Yeah, not a fruiting type. Um, Persea. Persea. Persea, and the species escape me. Yeah, it's fantastic. fantastic. Cool. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, it's an ever evolving space. Who manages that fern gully area? Uh, that's Misha Shute, who's in my team as well. So oh, I'm lucky enough to to have her looking after that space. And just recently, um, and I think it's. Parks back from I don't know, maybe the seventies or eighties in, in the gardens when there was bamboo planted everywhere, mm, yeah. um, and at the moment the the bamboo is going through a, a flowering cycle, um, oh, cool. and so everything is is turning brown, mm. um, and we're starting to lose these big patches of what were once green um, now are, are turning brown. So we're sort of going through a process of of removing them. Yeah. Um, in Fern Gully, we there were two or three patches of it, and um, and we've one big patch that we're, we've done in the in the middle section because it's a process. And, and <laughs> removing bamboo is like one of the hardest well, horticultural things I've ever done in my life. A lot life. of it was removed for sensory garden to yeah, to that's establish right. sensory yeah, garden. Yeah. Is it the timber bamboos? The great big tall things. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, I can't mm. remember the space now. That's a, a biological phenomenon. The flowering event. Yeah, it can be. It, can happen once in a lifetime yeah. and, and little is known about the flowering of, of bamboo because it just happens so infrequently yeah. um and i was speaking to a, a colleague at, at berkeley um botanic gardens in in san francisco and they're all their bamboos flowering as well at the moment and didn't mm. know of any other space places where it was flowering and i I told her, and it was yeah. We were quite excited by that. I wonder what's happening. Yeah. Ooh, we is it climate? Know. Is it is it just their times up and they're doing their thing? But mm-hmm. but look, it's 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 providing opportunities now in in Fern Gully for where there was a monoculture of of bamboo. Now we're putting in hundreds of different species in mm. this beautiful sloping, rich soils. It's just giving out those those rhizomes as. Yeah, it's back breaking work at sometimes, but, mission. but it's I find it quite quite rewarding. So a dead plant is not it's just an opportunity, isn't it? Definitely. It is. Yeah, well, I think Stephen Ryan says that. Garden. Yeah, yeah. True. But even in, even in your home garden, if something, you know, yeah, even if something's Andy talked about um, uh, keep, change, stop, start. Mm. Um, as a, a as a planning principle, um, and, and I think that's a really interesting thing to think about in your own garden. You know, keep the, all the stuff that you really love. Yeah. Um, there might be some stops. Stop using herbicide. Stop. I don't know. I'm not sure what the stop might be, but yeah. you know, 
Um, or start, you know, yeah, and then start using a different method of start control. Using, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or start growing more food or start um, establishing a picking garden or, mm. a, or you know what I mean. It, it's But keep, stop, start, and then I thought it was actually a, a, an interesting way to look at your garden. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Interesting. And, and design over time because it's never finished. No. You know, you might do a design, which Andrew and... And I and Andrea and my colleagues love to do, but it is always evolving and it's never finished. And there's so many layers to the story and people involved, you know. It's not yeah. just the, the designer. It's, it's interesting with projects, you often go, well, the project has been completed, but it's really only just been started. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It's yeah. the beginning. It's a fragment of time. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. And the work that it take, takes to get to that point alone and then, you know, uh, just letting things unfold. It's pretty pretty special. Yeah, it is. So I have to reintroduce, you're listening to The Gardening Show. My name's Emma Hurd, and with me in the studio are John Arnott and Tim Bigang. And we're having a great time. We haven't had many callers, so um, if you do want to talk to us, you've got half an hour. Um, the number here is 94190155. We'd love to chat with you. Yeah. Um, or text in on 0488. Eight zero nine eight double five. We did have an email this week um, from. Let me just get it. Up. Here we are. Um, we've got an email from Velen from Briar Hill. Um, she sent us a picture of her viburnum odoratissimum, and she says um, the prune tip seems seem to help as there's no new growth. Um, most trees have thrips flying around. Could this be thrip damage? And is the browning leaves scorching? It doesn't... Yeah, okay. I'll show these pictures to um, Tim and John. It's not particularly bad browning. Like, they look quite lush still. Oh, no, I've seen a lot worse than that. Yeah. Yeah, but, very much so. Yeah. That looks okay. Yeah, that's in reasonable it nick. Could, it could be the thrip. Oh, it could be, yeah. But no, but could, they're thrippy. It be, yeah, it could be very minor thrip damage. Um, you, you could try a Natrosope yep. spray. It's a good idea. Um, just to, I wouldn't go too hard. Like, I don't think it needs much control, but just to limit the thrip population a little yep. bit. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, no. Any thoughts? Not really. Um, it looks like it's well ventilated, the space. Sometimes that with, helps, yeah. I, I think that with those things it's caused with, um, you know, things get a little bit sort lack of, of air o- overgrown, lack of mm. air movement, but that doesn't look too bad. And it looks like it's in a pretty good aspect in terms of light and... Yeah. It might be something that's just seasonal as well. It, it may sort of go away as, as the weather changes. Um, it's worth monitoring, definitely. It's a, yeah. a good observation to, to have made. Lovely garden plant. Yeah. yeah. Just gorgeous. Great scent. It is beautiful. And the other thing maybe is a foliar feed. If you if you think it's um if it is scorching, which is I'd be a bit surprised, although we have had some pretty hot days already for spring. A couple um, out of the box. Yeah. A, a foliar feed might help just to strengthen it mm. a little bit. Yeah. Yep. Couldn't hurt. Compost tea. Yes. Yeah, what we're talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Yeah. I've got to, uh, just thinking about your stop-start sort of uh, yeah. theory there before. Um, 
I started something different in, as, just from a home garden perspective. I've got a massive um, magnolia salangiana in, in my backyard. What a treat. Great, great tree. Um, colour of, of the flower is, is stunning. So you get a massive of flowers in winter, but then you, you get all these leaves that drop. Do you know what I love about magnolias? Deer don't <laughs> seem to go and destroy them. Oh, really? Which is great. Really? Birches? And magnolias. There you go. Oh, okay. There I don't go. know why. Anyway, yeah. sorry. This, this, one, this one's about uh, eight to ten metres tall. Oh, it's and, old. And about the same wide, yeah. So uh, it takes up two-thirds of my backyard. Yeah, right. Um, but it drops all its leaves and it drops all its petals. So what I've done is I've collected – I did an experiment this this year and collected all the the leaves up yeah. put them in a massive big um container yeah then collected all the petals up and put them into into the same one yeah and ended up making this amazing um like leaf mold beautiful um, compost and it's just the perfect balance of carbon and nitrogen <laughs> from the petals and the leaves it has made the best compost i've, I've ever had beautiful um, and it just sort of got me got me thinking about how that probably happens in nature, and again it comes back to the balance. But this, I put it in, and I've got my tomatoes now um, sown. In A great those. point about using what you've got, though. You know, you don't have to bring in things from garden centres all the time if you use what you have on site. Yeah, and I mean that's very permacultural to you know keep things closed loop but. yeah at, at times i've just raked those leaves up and put them in the green bin and, mm. and, and got rid of them but yeah i just sort of thought about that balance and yeah well it's paid off really well so i'll be doing that every year now you know what my stop and or change is we've a front our front garden just purely for aesthetics we use a, an inorganic mulch a stone mulch um and the plant so there's a, an area of the garden when sandy soil very, very, very little biological action. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get a lot of biological action with um, uh, stones. <laughs> Minerals. Minerals. Slowly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slowly, slowly <laughs> on geological time yes, frames. Yes. Um, so um, I think we're going to buy the bullet and pull up the inorganic mm. mulch and put down an organic mulch. Oh, that'll be a, quite an undertaking. It, it is, will be quite an undertaking. Yeah, time. I think so. I think so. Um, yeah, it, uh, I'm losing plants. We are losing plants that we really shouldn't be losing mm. um, because there's just nothing in the soil, like literally nothing. Yeah. And what do you think, what can you repurpose the inorganic mulch for, with um, or for? Look, we could put it down, the, we'll reuse it. Mm, yeah. yeah, we'll we reuse but, but it. But it's going to be a hell of a pile. I think we, it was like four cubic metres that mm. we, oh, wow. no, we won't pull all that up. No, no. We'll have to enough. leave some, but... Um, yeah, we're going to end up with a decent pile. Maybe it's just going to go on um, Facebook Marketplace as sure. free inorganic mulch. Yeah. But keep an eye out, people. Keep an eye out. People, <laughs> if you're in down in Bomb Beach, give us a couple of weeks. Do your stretches first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Oh. Um, but yeah. I mean, that would have been a big job putting it in. Oh, it was a mission. That was a mission. It looks, fan- I mean, it looks fantastic. Yeah. It looks really, really good. Yeah. Um, but in terms of function on sandy soils, would have been much better off yeah. going with a, or, organic mulch and, and what starting sort, to condition the soil. What sort do you think? Like, you thinking mushy mulch? Are you thinking like a com- like a organic compost? Uh, I, I think compost the surface, mm-hmm. like with a, a, a generous amount of compost into the surface, mm-hmm. and then a thick woody mulch, mm-hmm. a coarse mulch. To, to mm-hmm. fine fine mulches tend to um, capture a lot of r- r- rainfall and they absorb 
on, on the surface of any available moisture. Yep. So a coarse woody mulch um, sitting, sitting on top. Well, we have my, – my request has been answered. We have some callers. Terrific. So um, hold on, guys. Uh, line seven, we've got Liz from Mount Eliza wants to talk about her crepe myrtle. Cool. Hello, Hello. Liz. Thank yeah, you for hi. calling in. That's okay. I got your pleading message for people <laughs> to ring in, so I thought, oh, I will. Yeah. Um, last week, this woman rang up, and the team, uh, when I say dismissed it, just said, because it's not causing a problem, I would like to know what it is. I have exactly the same thing. So, and it's only on the crepe myrtle. Yeah. It happened every year. So when, And she said exactly what, so you look up at it, and on the very tips are these white, they must be eggs of some description, but they, you can crunch them in your hands. Mm. And they're, and every year I get them, they're little white. And when you look up on the very tips of the new, you know, the when it throws the new branches, yep. um, on the very tip, I'm looking at it now, are these tiny little white things. I reckon it's scale. Yeah, yeah. Uh, crepe myrtle bark scales. Yep. Yeah. Yep. There's a, there's a few... Um, there's a few different scales that it'll host on, on crepe myrtles. Um, oh, nice. So scales are a, a, a little sap-sucking insect that, that have this sort of waxy ex- exterior coat that protects them from predators, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so when they hatch, what do they look like? Um, they're not, they're not, they're not eggs as, as such. No. So if you, oh, if you okay. were to scrape back that, the, 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 what looks like an egg, you'll find that there's a little sap sucking insect on the inside and that's just a sort of a waxy coating, um, that protects that, the, the little insect. Mm. So okay. all scale right insects do. Oh, yeah, no, that's not, that wouldn't be unusual, but okay. scales can okay. sort of host at various points. But, um, the, the tips is where most of the sort of, Juicy sappies on oh, on, on a whole okay. heap of things, so there'd be an okay. advantage to to be um, colonising those those tips. Softer, maybe. Yeah, softer. Yeah, yep, softer. Maybe okay. have to work a little less hard to get the nutrients. And okay, thank you for that, John. Isn't John? It's, thank yeah, you it's, for that. No worries. The other, just on that very quickly, because I know I think you've got some more calls. Is um, I've just come back from two weeks, and what I've noticed is the leaves are going reddish. British. And not as in not as in um, autumn, not at all. It, it looks like it's lacking something. Well, red's normally a bit of a stress response. Mm. Um, Too uh, much water, would you say? Could be, could yeah. be, yeah, could well be. I mean, they they they're pretty tough. Yeah. It's in, not from the white things from n- the scale. N- no, I don't think so. No, okay. no. Um, okay. Look, you could try. Um, putting some seaweed extracts or something like that into the root systems. Yeah. If it starts to turn brown, then that would probably confirm the, the inundation of water. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And my soil is, I listen to you guys every week, so my soil, my mulch, my compost, everything is, is fairly good, for, good. A, for, for an amateur. <laughs> um, so, okay, so I, sh- I won't worry about it. They're sort of going, yeah, it looks like they're, Sort of a almost a wine colour. Mm. So, is it general or localised? Say that again. Is it, is it general or is it just in one area of the tree? Oh, that's interesting. You say that because no, I'm looking. I only got back last night. So I didn't really. <laughs> no, no. It oh, it seems to be on one side of the tree more than the other. Okay, the north side. 
Oh, hell, where's the north? <laughs> <laughs> the um, hotter no, side. The west, yes. The sunny yes, side. Yes, 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 because the west, it's the, the sun's over there, that's right. So it's on the west side, yeah. Yeah, it could be uh, just adjusting to in the, okay. the, the, the warmer weather and more intense yeah, solar yeah. radiation. Okay, okay. And the scale which comes up every year um, is not something... I freak out every year. And then, the, and then it throws its beautiful flowers and then I stop freaking out. But <laughs> given that the lady rang last week and they weren't quite sure, I thought, oh, I'll give it a go today, just to learn what it was. Yeah, no, it, it does. It, it's pretty consistent with that, with a, a, a okay. scale of some sorts, yep. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, team. And that I'm works. off to the garden party, Virginia's, this yeah. afternoon. Oh, excellent. Thanks. Have fun out there. And thank yeah. you to everyone else that has purchased tickets. We're really looking forward to seeing you and thank you for supporting the show. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Awesome. Thanks for having it, for yeah. doing it. Have, okay. a great, have a great afternoon. Cheers. You Appreciate too. it. Yeah, thank you. Bye. I've got um, scale on, and a few of my different plants, a little black scale, but I get the silver eyes that come and get it. Yeah, good. So um, I'm glad, and it's a sort of a message for me to to not always start with a spray or something like that because watching the silver eyes come and pick it off was yep. yeah. pretty rewarding. Yeah, it's so true. And um, yeah, ladybirds love the scale. I mean, yeah, there's so many things. That it's will... it's hard though. I've, I've you, you, we, we've got a um, uh, jacaranda semi plana, which is called the port wine jacaranda, which is a, a really important plant. It was um, a plant that someone gave my partner Lisa when her mum died. So it's an important mm-hmm. plant, um, and it, it's deciduous. And every year it bursts in, in, into growth, and this year it had all these aphids on them, and the the. If I was more organised, I probably would have sprayed. I didn't spray, and when I looked yesterday, there are ladybirds all over it. Yeah, yeah. love it. But but my first in- inclination was get some pyrethrum out or something like that. Yeah, but I mean the other option is bugs for bugs. Sure, that's another good option, and um, they're doing great work with being able or to. Or hose on bugs. Yeah, hose. Yeah, 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 that yeah. Could be a nice, yeah. Easy first yeah, call. yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I didn't get around to it, which you know was um, in the end the right thing to do. Oh, <laughs> Just to walk yeah, walk away and leave cool. it. But yeah, it's my inclination was to do something other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, we've got some wonderful other callers. Beauty. So um, Stella from Carlton North wants to talk about her magnolia little gem. Hello, Stella. Thank you for holding. Thank you. Um, it's coming into bud at the moment, and I'm very excited because it's the first year. It's in a pot, and I was just um, the the very top bud opened yesterday, but I had to take it off because it was dried out and um, crumbly. Ah, uh, shame. Yeah, the other buds are looking. Delicious, you know, just <laughs> spot on. <laughs> <laughs> um, how how big is your pot? How long has the um, magnolia been in the same pot? Uh, only about um, a year. Okay. Um, the the thing about growing plants in pots is that they can they can dry out, um, and because their roots are restricted to the pot, they can't sort of chase moisture in the soil. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would. Think it sounds a little bit like um, it, it might have 
when that bud was bursting, that it might have run out of water or, yeah. or had a, a water, yeah. I, I think it would be a water a watering issue. Um, the other uh, thing is, like, it, what, the top bud is, it gets the blast of sun. Mm. That should be okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 okay? yeah. that should that should be okay with a, a, a magnolia. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, you need to make sure that when you're watering, you're actually watering, and the water is just not running through the pots. Because um, sometimes, if a pot dries out, to rewet that pot is actually a, it can be a bit of a mission. Yeah. Um, and you can be you can be watering the pot and you know putting a lot of water onto the pot, but. Um, what can happen is the soil can get hydrophobic a little bit and the water will just run down the sides or not actually be absorbed by the root system or stay in the pot. So yeah. you might think yeah. about maybe a little, maybe a wetting agent or if, you, if the pot's um, small enough to be able to dunk, be dunked into a, into a bigger tub and, yeah. uh, until yeah. all the air bubbles um, yeah. stop bubbling. Uh, this time of year too, yeah. it's, a, it's a little bit often... I, I find with potted, I've got a lot of potted plants. Sure. And I, I find, yeah, you, you're, you're right. I found that my plants can get, the soil can get hydrophobic. Um, but a, a little bit often, keeping a little bit of moisture there, particularly this time of year, is probably quite yeah. important. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, so ma- make, make sure that the, the watering is um, uh, actually being effective. So they like water. Oh yeah, no, they'll they'll take as much. Well, you know, within within reason. Yeah. Um, but you know, the big the big magnolias, the the the, the parent plant of that, actually, mm. their natural situation is growing in swamps. Mm. Does a pot does a pot have a saucer under it? No. Yeah, maybe uh, pop a saucer under it. Wouldn't hurt. Yeah, yeah, it might be a good idea because mm. I didn't realise they liked that much um, damp or wet. But uh, the other thing was like. The the leaves are just shiny yeah. and beautiful, <laughs> and the reason being is because I'm in a city. Um, I go over them and give them because I've only got the one little gem. I go over them and just uh, wipe them <laughs> off with a, a nice. Diluted solution of seaweed. This plant is a pet. Yeah, this is an excellent. (laughs) Your smiling face and the glossy leaves. But um, will it will it flower for a while now? Yeah, it 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 probably won't make more buds than what you've already got. Yeah. Um, So that'll that that'll be the sorry uh, Emma that that that'll be the uh, the extent of flowering for this year. I'd say it's still quite young as well. Yeah. 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 So you think it will sort of the next flower, so long as they don't dry out, will will stay for maybe a couple of weeks or a couple of months? Um, I don't know. How long would you get out of a magnolia flower? Yeah, certainly not a couple of months. Maybe no. maybe a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'd say so. Couple of weeks. Yeah. And um, and so so it's kind of um, early summer flowering, is it? <laughs> As they get older, they they will flower throughout the summer. Yeah, yeah. have a longer flowering period. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think they, they even might do okay as cut flowers. Mm. I mean, sort of cut cut the flowers off if you're that inclined. Yeah. I don't know especially, whether you will be, but especially the little gem. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. they will last in a vase longer than maybe your solangi. Oh yeah, solangianas. Yeah, no, they fall. Apart. Um, so does that mean like the a, a little gem 
could be there's a trend now and again. Yes, yeah, most yeah. definitely. I wouldn't mm-hmm. do it. I wouldn't do it. You know, obviously, you're not going to chop your flowers off. But once once the no, flowering no. season has finished for your little gem, a bit of a tip prune certainly wouldn't <laughs> hurt. It will um, make it. Keep Lush. it keep it bushy. Give it yeah. some structure yeah. too, if you yeah. need mm. to shape it up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the nice thing about that that plant is that it, it its habit is just naturally quite dense. Mm. Um, yeah. So it must have been a selection at some point. You know, someone saw a little seedling that stayed a little bit smaller and a little, little bit denser. It's a nice. It's a nice thing. Mm. Yeah. And the other thing is a more much more acidic than because um, like I mean these things. You, you just buy the potting mix and you put the plant mm. in. You don't know if it was like acidic or just the normal. Uh, fairly neutral's fine yeah. for Very a little good. gem. Yep. Mm. I, would, I, would, I would have thought any um, potting mix, potting mix which has got the the the, the, um, the ticks, the uh, meets the Australian mm. standards, would the the pH wouldn't be an issue. Yeah. I think yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. some of them have been pretty mediocre but those potting mixes but anyway that's another story but um <laughs> the other thing i was going to say was like i get the compost and a little bit of um warm juice and make up a bit of a slurry and water that in is that a good idea yeah most definitely yeah. great idea sounds good to me yeah. too mm. good Wonderful. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thanks for calling in, Stella. Really appreciate it. Um, does, does your magnolia have a, have a name? Yeah. <laughs> no, we stick to lithium. Although when I bought it, it was called Teddy Bear. Oh, yes, yes. That's a specific variety available. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. Well, enjoy, enjoy loving your magnolia. It's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's really lovely. Love your show. Thank Thanks, you. Stella. Bye. 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 Wonderful. All right. So next up, we've got Dave Harland, CEO of the, of the Botanic Gardens, um, about how to inspire future generations. Dave Harland. Hey, Welcome John. How are you? Show. Good. It's uh, and uh, and Tim's here as well. Tim, Good morning, David. Game. Morning, Tim. Morning, Emma. Good to hear your voices. You should you should be like on the national curriculum for kids to listen to to make <laughs> horticulture sexy, interesting, <laughs> exciting. I mean, it's just marvelous, isn't it? Oh well, we appreciate the the um, advocacy. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. How are you? What's what's happening? I, well, what's happening? Well, I'm I'm standing out here in the in, in the garden and I'm listening to you and I'm thinking. John's five-year-old granddaughter's great. Do we have to get to people at at, um, at that age? How do how do we persuade people to actually go into these these careers? How do we grow the next generation so that that we do make this a real career uh, for people that they that they really? There's nothing wrong with accountants and lawyers and surveyors, but we need a few more ecologists and landscape architects and horticulturists, don't we? Yeah, do yeah we, we do. Yeah, and that's 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 the rally cry. I think. Yeah. Uh, I think David. I feel that that's our role, isn't it? Now, it is our to, role. to help to inspire that generation. Yeah, and there are so many organisations out there that are doing great advocacy. So there's AILA, which is the, the Australian Institute of Landscape Architects, um, and there's uh, Landscaping Victoria, Australian Institute of Horticulture, Begans. Yeah. Yep, Botanic Gardens Australia, New Zealand. Yep. I'm sorry if I haven't mentioned that sooner. That's uh, that's the acronym we've been rabbiting on about. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, there, there are so many great organisations to get resources from. I think maybe David reframing the the role of horticulturists. Um, uh, I mean, 
I don't, I don't know. We were talking off air um, before the show started about that that horticulturists can make a contribution to a healthier planet, to a better planet, uh, and that if that if we were, we were sort of marketing the opportunity to kids as you know make a, a an actual difference in 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 in, in your to, to a healthier planet in over the course of your professional working life. I mean, that's a pretty compelling proposition. Mm. I, it certainly is. Yeah, not, I'm, but I'm not sure that we actually sell horticulture that way or, or, or talk to horticulture in that big picture. I mean, one, one of the problems of, of, of the world is that we think so short-term, don't we? We, we talk about one year, three year, five year. Right? Yeah. And I was very struck when I, I got into all of this that, that actually this is one of the few professions where you can genuinely have a 50 or 100 year impact and, and horticulturists and, and landscape architects really think about it. And you were, you were talking about Andrew Laidlaw and... Guilfoyle and, and so on, and they, you know, you, you can have that vision going forward, and there's not many places where you could have a genuine, enduring, lasting impact. So maybe that's maybe that's part of it. So, uh, but and I, and I think there's also a need to think about, um, you know, ecologists are being recruited by people like Google and so on because they understand the web that works. And I don't mean the, the web internet, I mean the web of life um, and everything there. So it, it, it's great. Horticulture is just part of that, as, as I think you said earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, David, we had a, we had a chat at the at Rip and Lee during the week. I, I just, could I just ask you the, a, a question that we asked in front of the, 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 the group? And, and that's, you know, why RBG Victoria for David Harland? What's, what's, enticed you from um, from the UK to come well, all the way to Australia? I, I, it was that cockatoo outside the door here. Excuse me. So um, I think uh, it, it's not often that you get to play on two canvases at once, one being 175 years old and uh, and another being, what uh, let, let's call it 10-ish, a uh, John for, for Cranbourne. Um, and actually, I'd been to Cranbourne many times before... Uh, before joining, because I think it's a really significant garden, and, and some of the things you've talked about this morning are going to just look fabulous around that dry riverbed. Mm. Um, but it's telling a story that's very different. So, the, so, and, and you know, Australia is, you know, genuinely part of the front line of climate change. Yeah. And the reason I, I wanted to, to play here is because I felt if you could take those two parts of, of that institution, and that you could start to put them not just on a a regional scale, but a national scale, and then an international scale, then you could get into a dialogue about the things that matter to all of us, which are climate change and biodiversity loss and uh, the state of soil and, and so on. Mm. And I think there's real stories to, to tell. I mean, the great thing, by the way, coming in is the canvases that, we've, that, we've, that we're now all stewards of are already beautiful and give people plenty of joy. It's now a question of how do we, you know, how do we take that on and, and inspire the next generation. So I, that's the opportunity that I that I saw, um, and um, I'm incredibly excited. I have to say, um, and that's that's largely to do. I mean, today has been rather good for my my induction being here only for three months. I've learned a couple of things as we, we oh, <laughs> we've been talking about various places in the garden, which is rather nice. Oh, um, so, so thank you, public service, right there. <laughs> Uh, terrific, David. We aim to please. Exactly. But, but we're we're so privileged in, in this role that we that we have, and, yeah. and, and we have a, also have a lot of responsibility. Um, but I, I'm, I get so excited at, at the at the privilege of being able to to plant trees yeah. and 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 educate others about 
long term, as you said, David, long term sort of um, prospects. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a real privilege, and, and um, you know, I love that idea that a, that a dead plant is is just an opportunity. Um, that's a that's a lovely reframing there. So uh, that, that, that was done there because you know gardens must evolve; they yeah. really must. And and um, I think that's what actually the early founders of of, of these gardens would have wanted. Mm. Um, and, and if you think about what actually happened under Guilfoyle and, and others, he he was an innovator. I mean, moving trees at scale. <laughs> that's um, right. I mean, absolutely, you know, uh, amazing, and and large numbers of them surviving. I mean, it's it, it, it's wonderful. So, if we can, if we as the as the current custodians can can do that, then um, then all the better. And at the same time, if we can inspire some of the the next generation to want to do it and to, and to keep those things going, because we have a responsibility to to the people of Melbourne and and Victoria to do it. Because there's some serious science going on as well yeah. that are going to help us to to deal with all of those issues that we talked about. David, that sounds like sorry, Emma. Uh, um, that sounds like a vision. Yeah, it sounds like, sounds like a vision statement. And I it think we're do. so fortunate that gardeners in general are quite a versatile, you know, optimistic bunch and that um, we do see uh, maybe what others might see as a constraint as an opportunity, which, yeah, is De- a talent. Definitely. definitely. And, and we have an opportunity to, to change some of the language that we use. In the Americans use this word dirt, don't they, for soil. Yeah. Uh-huh. Let's, let's, let's ban that, yeah. I mean, for starters, I'm because it's that. not dirt. It's absolutely the fabric on which everything else uh, is, is, is based. And the same as the word sustainability, by the way. I mean, if you, if you talk about, you know, your relationship for a minute and you say, oh, it's, you know, it's sustainable, it doesn't sound very good, does it? And yet that's the word that we're using, you know, <laughs> to describe our very, the very system, the planet that we live on. Yeah. Mm. A, bit of reframing, a bit of reframing work. Yeah. Exactly. Like yeah. No, lovely. I think we are up for the task, though. So, yeah, remaining optimistic whilst having still realistic goals is important. Yeah, and and you know, attempting to reconcile some of these wicked dilemmas. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for calling in, Dave. Yeah. Oh, pleasure. I enjoyed it. So, uh, you know, I've turned into your greatest fan now. (laughs) (laughs) Great, David. Thanks. Yeah, we look forward to seeing all the work that unfolds at RVGV with you and the entire team. Great. Thanks, Thanks David. Bye. Bye-bye. Have a good weekend. Wonderful. Well, we've had we've had a good lot of callers in that last gallop to the finish line. I just have a couple of last announcements. Today is the last day to visit Melrose Garden in Malmesbury at 33 Cowl Street, and it's a good opportunity because it's the last time it will be open, um, 10 a.m. till 4.30 p.m., and, um, yeah, visit Open Gardens Victoria if you need more information about that. So now I'd just love to thank my wonderful guests that have been on the show with me today. We've got John Arnott and Tim Eubergang. No and, um, yeah, you've been listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Emma, and we'll look forward to having you back next week. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy the day. See ya. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.